Hey, Valley family, welcome to week number four of our series that we're calling New Year, New You. And uh, we're just looking at what, what really can we do, what's important to keep in mind, even actions to take uh, in, in this new year for us to be everything God wants us to be as a church and also individually, obviously, uh, and to fulfill His plan and purpose for our lives. And, and so this is week number four, as I said. Welcome, those of you who join us on our online campus or uh, maybe on the rewatch. Uh, we're, we're so glad that you joined us, literally thousands plus, you know, every single week. And, and today I thought, you know, we couldn't have a series like this. Next week's going to be the final message in this series. Uh, but we couldn't have a message like this without talking about uh, this particular topic uh, that, that I think the reality is uh, this new year you can diet, you can exercise, you can get out of debt, you can uh, you know, take some steps to have a healthier marriage, uh, to be a better person. But the reality is if, if, if we don't get better at and improve on what we're going to be talking about today, none of that stuff's going to make us a new person. None of that. We're going to be the exact same person a year from now, five years from now, uh, as we are right now. No matter what our resolutions were, even if we succeed in those, if this is not top, really, in our, our goals, our, our resolutions for this year. So I want to talk about the heart of the matter. Uh, what's really first things first here. And uh, let me just encourage you to follow along in our notes that we have on, on the Valley website, valleyny.cc. My notes are there. You can add to them your notes and, and then email them to yourself. I think this message in particular, as we look at the heart of the matter, uh, you're going to want to save these and look back on them because it's so important, absolutely critical for us to progress and become, again, who it is God wants us to be. Uh, we really, really ha- have got to, to exercise forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's all about forgiveness. Just, just think about it for just a minute. Forgiveness is something that we can receive because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's all about forgiveness. That's why he came. At the same time, forgiveness is something we give because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not only do we receive forgiveness... But we're supposed to give forgiveness. And, and I think as we look back, just, just 2020 alone, there, have been, there were plenty of opportunities for hurt, for misunderstanding, to take an offense. And the reality is many of us have brought that baggage right into 2021, and it's not going to be any better unless we really know how to forgive and truly forgive. Forgiveness is what allows us to go to heaven when we die, And forgiveness is what allows us to walk in His blessings on earth, God's blessings here on earth right now. It's all about forgiveness. And and so forgiveness is a really, really big deal. And and so what I want to do is I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 18 where Jesus tells a parable. So he makes this story up, and and it's pretty interesting, the details, and it's all about forgiveness. And, And I want to read it through and then kind of unpack it uh, during our time together and apply it because, because this is going to make or break us forgiveness or the lack thereof uh, in, in 2021. It's so important and I've just been praying that even through this message as we look at God's word and Jesus's uh, words really in red here that we are in just a minute 
that, that the Holy Spirit would just convict our hearts of who we need to forgive. Some of us need to forgive parents. Some of us need to forgive spouses. Some of us need to forgive our kids. Some of us need to forgive groups of people. Some of us need to, to forgive ourselves. Forgiveness is so critical, so important to spiritual health and fulfilling God's plan and purpose for our lives. So let's look at it now. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 23. Therefore, and Jesus is telling this story in response actually to Peter. Peter says, how many times should I forgive someone? Uh, you know, we're, we're taught seven times. What, what about, you know, how, how many times? And Jesus says, 70 times seven. He's like, it's not just seven times. It's like infinite. Seven is a number of perfection. 70 times seven. And, and then he goes and tells this story to illustrate how important and how regular as followers of Jesus we're supposed to forgive other people. It, we're supposed to be the best forgivers on the planet. It says, therefore the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants and he began, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 bags of gold. Just think about that amount. And Jesus makes this amount purposely. I, I mean, this is like, this would be like, millions and millions and millions of dollars in, in today's common cur you know, currency of today. goes on and says, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that they have be sold to repay the debt. Pretty interesting here. Uh, what we're seeing here is this servant, his decisions actually impact his family. Keep that in mind. At this, the servant fell on his knees uh, before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. This word patience, just keep this in mind. We're going to circle back around to it in just a minute. It says, be patient with me. And then it goes on and it says, the servant's master took pity on him as he begged, please be patient with me. He had compassion. He took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Now think about that for just a minute. When, when, when you have a debt and someone cancels it, it doesn't mean that goes away. In other words, the master is like, I'm on the hook for it. I'm taking responsibility for it, or I'm taking a loss. Canceled debt just doesn't disappear. Somebody somewhere is taking the loss, and the king, the master, is the one who personally decides, rather than you paying what you owe, servant, I'm taking the loss in your place. I'm taking the loss, the king, the master, decides. He canceled the debt, and he let him go. He took it on the chin. The king did, the master. He took the loss personally. But when, the, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He owed hundreds of bags of gold, and it was forgiven him. He found another servant that owed him, the servant who had been forgiven so much debt, a hundred silver coins, not even a whole bag. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me. There it is again. Be patient with me. He uses the exact same phrase. Be patient with me. And I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until... He could pay the debt. And, and by the way, how many of you know being in prison is not a great way to make money? How are you going to do that? 
So he's, just, he's, he's in prison forever. It goes on and says, And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. goes on. I canceled all, of your, all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Some, some uh, translations say uh, to the tormentors. To the tormentors. Keep that in mind. Jesus is not throwing needless detail into this story. He, he's bringing some truth and some real perspective about what happens to you and I when we harbor unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment in our hearts towards anyone or any group. It goes on and it says, until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father, now Jesus adds, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty, I, I, that is pretty uh, shocking, this story that Jesus tells. This word patience is pretty interesting. In the original language, uh, New Testament was written in, Koine Greek. This word patience is the word makrothemeo, and it means which is long temperate. It's the opposite of short tempered, that, that are long suffering. You know, in this life, all of us are going to suffer. We have no choice about that. This world's a hard place, and we're going to have a degree of suffer of things that we have nothing to do with at all. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, what, what Jesus is expecting from me, what Jesus is expecting from you, is that we would develop long-suffering. Long-suffering is a choice. We're all going to suffer, but, but long-suffering means I'm willing to go through some difficult stuff for, for the better of others. That, that, that we, we have patience. That, that we're not quick-triggered. Really interesting, this word makrothemeo. Uh, it, it literally has the idea of that, that we don't, it, it's like mercury. Mercury, which is a, actually a, a metal, but at room temperature, it's a liquid. It, it, that we don't melt down in the face of difficulty and stress and pressure, or when someone wrongs us, we don't have a meltdown. That's makrothemeo, that we're patient. And the servant that owed a great deal to his master, he said, be patient. And God is patient. He's macrothemeo with you and me. But then that servant who had been forgiven that huge debt, he goes and finds someone that owes him so much less, and he starts choking him to death. He wasn't macrothemeo. He, he melted down because of the offense, the debt that was owed to him then of course the master found out about it and said you're a wicked sir turn him over to the tormentor see bitterness and unforgiveness in my life your life when we hold on to offenses when we hold on to resentment when we hold that scorecard of this person said this did this to me this group hurt me this way we open ourselves up to mental physical and spiritual torment that's what we choose when we choose to hold on to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. 
in this life. He's not talking about in eternity. He's talking about in this life, emotional, physical, spiritual torment that we chose to hang on to because of unforgiveness. It steals our joy, which we're going to talk about next week, the importance of joy. If, if it's, this is going to be a new year, a new year we, we've got to understand the power of joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's how we're going to be victorious this year, joy. But that's next week. I invite you back for it. Jesus didn't only talk about this. I mean, he talked a lot about forgiveness. This wasn't the only place. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus put it this way. For if you forgive, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. You and I decide how much forgiveness we receive from God by the way that we forgive others. And a lot of us, our capacity to receive God's forgiveness got a lot smaller in 2020 because of offenses. We got, we got mad with people. We got hurt. We got offended. We, you know, especially in our culture where like being offended is like the national pastime now. It used to be baseball. And what we don't realize is the torment, the sleepless nights, the physical maladies, the, maladies, the, the, the mental issues that we're having, all this anxiety— it's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen when we hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment in our lives. If you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. George uh, Herbert, who was a poet and a priest in the 1600s, he put it this way, He who cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass. Man, I think that's just like rewording in a very poetic way Jesus' words. We said, if you, if you don't forgive the sins of those who sin against you, your heavenly Father's not going to forgive you. Plain and simple. It, later in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 puts it this way. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. No matter what the pain, no matter what the difficulty, the disappointment, the offense, the... the uh, disrespect that you receive, no matter what that is, there's grace that God wants to give you and I to overcome it. But see to it that no one falls short of that grace and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When we don't receive God's grace to forgive someone who has hurt us, someone who's betrayed us, someone who's turned their back on us, someone who's mistreated us, overlooked us, when we choose bitterness instead of God's grace, it causes a bitter root inside. Not only, not only does it affect us, it affects other people around us as well. Become toxic. This is a big deal, forgiveness. This is why Jesus came to the planet. That's how big forgiveness is. And he talked a lot about it. So, Real quickly, I think it's important because there's some, some misconceptions people have at times of, of what forgiveness is, and, and because of that, we choose not to forgive, uh, and, and it's really erroneous ideas. So real quick, before we talk about how to really do this, let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not, here's the first one, forgiveness is not condoning what someone has done. 
Forgiveness is not like, oh, it's okay. It was really no big deal. Uh, it, 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 in fact, uh, Christian author G.K. Chesterton put it this way. Forgiveness means pardoning the unpardonable or it is not forgiveness at all. The very fact that it needs to be forgiven, it was a big deal. That emotional pain, that relational pain that you caused me. That's why I have to forgive. That's why I choose to forgive because it was a big deal. Here's the second thing. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It doesn't mean as long as I have that memory in my mind that, that I haven't forgiven. Sometimes we need to remember so that you don't allow it to happen again. So, so forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean your, your memory is just wiped out of, of that, those words, that action, whatever that situation was. Third thing is this. Forgiveness does not mean that you don't confront the sin. In fact, in Matthew 18, Jesus said we are supposed to confront those that sin, but if you haven't forgiven, you'll likely come at them with a desire to, you know, retribution or, or revenge, and, and you'll probably want to hurt them because they hurt you. And, and so even before we confront, if we're ever going to confront someone, we need to make sure we've forgiven them first. Forgiveness comes first, but it doesn't mean that you don't confront the sin Fourth thing is this, forgiveness does not mean that there are no consequences. Ah, that's a biggie. I, I could show you time and time, all kinds of examples throughout the Bible. When someone sinned and God, I forgive you, but there were still consequences. David is like the perfect picture, King David, when he sinned with Bathsheba. The consequence, God forgave him, but the consequence was the child died the consequence was that the sword never departed his house, that, that his son Absalom uh, rose up against him, led a rebellion. He ended up dying. The consequence was just horrible things happened as a result of his sins to him and to his family. But, but, but he was forgiven. So forgiveness does not mean that there are, no, there are no consequences. Even when forgiveness takes place, there still are consequences. God never said anywhere, I'll... I'll I'll save you from the consequences. Didn't say that. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you need to get back together and start another business together because <laughs> they embezzled. Uh, you, you know, uh, reconciliation is a restoration of that relationship. I've, you know, I, I, I certainly, you can't live in this life without, without being hurt and betrayed by people offended as a pastor i've certainly had my share of that and uh, I, I remember 15 years ago a staff member that was was here at the time almost just split the whole church wide open really uh, just uh undermined what i was doing and uh it, it was just it was a bad bad situation i'd been a good friend for decades of mine and uh and and, and that's probably the hardest thing i've had ever had to walk through is forgiving him and uh i i do i have and and i've seen him since he pastors in another church uh another part of the country and uh you know he he, he never asked for forgiveness he's never to this day taken any responsibility but but i chose to forgive but our relationship has not been restored say hey how you doing make small talk but, but forgiveness doesn't mean we're going to be best buds again because he hasn't taken responsibility for anything he did. Doesn't, doesn't even mention it, doesn't bring it up. 
So forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Next time I see him, if he were to say, hey, can we talk about this? I, I want to take responsibility for, for, for turning so much of the church sour and so many people leaving that aren't even walking with God today because of the decisions that he made. Turn their back on Jesus. Never taking responsibility. Then, then there can be some sort of reconciliation. But forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process. It's really important that we remember. It doesn't happen all at once. Um, you, you know, it, it, it's a process. You kind of have to keep making that decision. And, and so it's not just a one-time event and then it's, it's gone and done. So how are we going to do this forgiveness? How are we really going to do this? Well, I, I think the parable that Jesus told really gives us the clarity of the actions that the king took, the master, uh, of how we actually forgive. First thing is this, cancel their debt. That's what it means to forgive. I cancel the debt. You don't owe me anymore. I'm not holding it against you. I'm not holding it against you, dad. I'm not holding it against your mom. I, I, I'm not holding it against your boss or that other person, him or her. We forgive. And, and you see, when, when we choose to forgive, the cool thing is, I think, we actually beat that person. <laughs> we, we beat them because we love them. And love always wins. That's what forgiveness, forgiveness it is an aspect of love. The love that you and I are supposed to show our brothers and sisters, our neighbor. You, you've beaten them with love, and the only way of beating anything is really love. Instead of you ref, choosing revenge, you refuse revenge, and you don't make them pay the emotional for the emotional pain and the debt that they really owe. You pay it down yourself, just like the king took the loss. That's what it means to forgive, that I choose to, I'm going to take the loss, and I'm not going to require that of you. That's what happened to, to, to this guy who, who really betrayed me so bad, like 15 years ago. And, and, and I just had to forgive, I had to forgive, I had to forgive and make that decision. And then as, you know, life's got a funny way of just kind of coming back around again few years back I got a call from another pastor another part of the country and he said hey listen uh, I, I got a resume in front of me and uh, there's this guy who's applied for a position on my staff and uh, he actually doesn't have it on his resume but I thought didn't he work for you I was like oh yeah oh yeah I know who that is and he said well tell me what happened because I thought he was up there with you in New York What's the story there? And I went through it and I told him. And, and this was like the dream job for this guy who had been on my staff and had hurt me, hurt the church, hurt my family, hurt my wife, my kids so badly. And uh, I'm on the phone and the pastor on the other side goes, so I guess uh, after hearing that, you would say... I probably shouldn't hire him. And that was my moment. 
That was my moment to get a little revenge. That was my moment to like, oh yeah, I'm going to make sure your dream job just gets shot down because of what you did, and it's going to make me feel good. But instead I had that decision to make. And I knew I needed to cancel the debt. I needed to personally take the loss. And so I said to my friend on the phone, I said, no, no, I think you ought to offer him the job. Because that was a number of years ago, and I believe that God can change people's hearts. And although he's never taken responsibility for what he did, I I just believe that God's been working in his life. And I think you ought to hire him. And he's like, okay, I will. To this day, he still has no idea that he got that dream job that he wanted so bad in that church because I took it on the chin. I took the loss rather than trying to get revenge, trying to get even justice. I had to forgive. Why'd you do that, Greg? Well, I did it for my own sake because I don't want to be turned over to the torment of unforgiveness and bitterness in this life. I, I, I did it because what he did to me is nothing compared to what I, my sin did to God. I, I want God to forgive me. Based on God's word, I, I, I think that when I canceled that debt, the capacity for God to forgive me got bigger. If I forgive, my heavenly Father will forgive others. If, if I forgive others, my heavenly Father will forgive me. See, the reality is this is, we, we have a king who, who came to become a servant. That's Jesus. He's the ultimate king, and he looked down on us not just knowing how high a cost it was going to be that he was going to have to pay. He looked down from all of his glory, all of his power. He knew it would cost him everything. And he came to earth and he died on the cross. And look at what it says in John chapter 19, the Gospel of John. As Jesus was on the cross, he says, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his sin. Jesus paid the price for my sin. Jesus paid the price. He he, he paid the debt for Greg Williamson's sin. My, My sin killed God. That's how much I owed. That's how much you owed. And it's really interesting, again, New Testament, Greek, Koine Greek, it is finished. That, that's actually like three words. It's a sentence almost in and of itself. But, but it's a one single Greek word. And it's tetelesia. And what that literally means is paid in full. The debt is paid. He'd already said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he said, it's finished. The debt's paid in full. I'll take the loss. And Jesus took the loss on the cross for your sin 
and my sin. And he's asking us just to forgive offenses and hurts. And I'm not, I'm not belittling anything that you've faced or you've gone through, but, but it, it pales in significance to the debt that Jesus paid that you owed, that I owed. So how are we going to do it? We've got to cancel the debt. We've got to take the loss ourselves. Here's the second thing. We need to move with mercy. It says the king was moved with mercy. Moved with compassion. Went when he saw the servant that begged him to be patient. I think that's a great, great thing to pray. When you're struggling maybe to forgive, God, let me be moved with mercy. Just like God's moved with mercy for you and me. Whenever someone wrongs you, the first thing that we typically do is, is I mean, think about this. Uh, the first thing that we do is we kind of make a character out of them. It's like when someone does something wrong to us, hurts us in some way, that's all we can see. It's like they, they are the embodiment of all that's evil. There's nothing good. You know, so they become an amplified character, uh, cartoon of themselves, or groups as well. Stereotypes, generalities. Everyone in this group thinks this way. Every single person, they're all the same. And that's bitterness. That's resentment inside. Instead of looking on people, or looking on a person who's hurt you, or offended you, or overlooked you, caused you pain, with the eyes of mercy. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, they'll receive mercy. Not those, blessed are the vengeful. Blessed are the ones that demand a pound of flesh. Blessed are the merciful, they'll receive mercy from God. In fact, I love this. James chapter two, verse 13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is more powerful than judgment. Could I even put it this way? Mercy is more powerful than justice. That's what judgment is justice. A demand to make it right. Mercy is greater. More powerful. That's what the king showed the servant. And then the servant turned around and refused to be merciful to another servant. And the king turned him over to the tormentors because of it. Third thing I think that we see in this, this parable of the unforgiving servant is what it's actually called, referred to as. We need to show people Jesus. When, when you and I cancel the debt of what we feel like someone owes us, sometimes it's just even an apology. No, they don't owe me that. When we move with mercy, you know what we're doing? We're showing people who Jesus really is because that's what Jesus did. That's who he is. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As he was hanging there, his back ripped apart from the beating, nails through his hands and his feet, crown of thorns on his head, beard torn out. Father, forgive them. When you and I forgive someone who has hurt us, betrayed us, cheated on us, stolen from us, used us, offended us, violated us, all those things happen to Jesus. 
And the world says, you demand that price back from him. You choke him to death just like that servant was doing to the other servant. You demand what's coming to you. But Jesus said, forgive. Forgive. See, as followers of Jesus, we of all people on the planet, we should be the greatest forgivers alive because we've been forgiven so much. And we know that. There's a great story in Genesis, actually, when, when Jacob and Esau, some of you might know that story, those, those brothers that were uh, relationships so broken and fragmented. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, a- Abraham's family, uh, and Isaac, uh, you know, when his sons came, Jacob and Esau, I mean, they, they put the word fun and dysfunctional. I mean, they were just so dysfunctional. But, but when Jacob and Esau, Isaac's sons, are, are reunited, and, and, and Jacob had just was a con artist, uh, really. Uh, when they were reunited, reconciled to his brother Esau, Jacob makes this statement. This is all the way back in Genesis, and I love this. He says, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you have received me favorably. Jacob, he wronged Esau. He stole his birthright. Man, Esau had all the right to just really end his life. But Esau chose to forgive. And when Jacob comes after being so fearful of what his brother's response was going to be and and his brother forgives him Jacob says to Esau seeing you is like seeing God because God forgives man I I want that to be who I am I I think that's who you want to be that when when you come face to face with those that maybe the world would say you deserve, they have a debt, they owe, they owe you. Instead, they find forgiveness and they see the face of Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. That means to walk in his footsteps. For to see your face is like seeing the face of of God. And so boiling all this down, and there's so much more I could say about forgiveness. I mean, I could do a 52-part series for the next year on forgiveness. But, but for this series, I think I've said enough. For today, I've said plenty. So let me just boil it down to one simple statement that you can take with you. You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive. As he hung on that cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's finished. The one who had no sin, the one who was absolutely perfect, paid the price for your sin. Paid the price, the debt that I owed. And he said, paid in full. It's canceled. That's how we receive forgiveness. That's also why we extend forgiveness to those who hurt us, 
and offend and overlook and betray and cheat on because we've been forgiven so much. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your grace that is in this moment right now, your mercy, Lord, that is available to each and every one of us. Father, thank you that you did what we could never do for ourselves. You sent your son, Jesus, to live a sinless life and to lay that life down as a sacrifice, a substitute for me and for for anyone, everyone that would receive that sacrifice, that he paid the debt for our personal sins. And Lord, that he rose again three days later. God, help us Lord, to choose to forgive. And right now, even as you've been listening to this message online, I I think that there have been faces and names just flying across your mind and your memory. That's not me that did that. That's the Holy Spirit that did that. And and I want to invite you today, right now, choose to forgive. We talked about what forgiveness is not, to make it clear decide to forgive cancel the debt take the loss for your sake so that there be no more torment because you've received mercy from God extend mercy to those that you've had unforgiveness towards thank you God for speaking to our hearts by your spirit And may may we be people that when they see our actions of forgiveness, that they see you, Jesus, as we forgive those who hurt us, who trespass against us. Right now, in this moment, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never prayed and received Jesus Christ as your Savior before, That's why he came and lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death and rose from the dead. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now, if you've never done it before, I I, I wanna lead you in a prayer. Uh, Just open your heart up to Jesus right now and receive him as your Savior and Lord. Just repeat this prayer after me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sin because of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward, and I will follow you. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord today. Amen. Amen.